This is the How to Share podcast, where we help you find your story, write your story, and share that story with the world. With loads of experience marketing, hotels, restaurants, and influencers, your host, Amy Dreheim, will help you craft stories worth sharing. Stories that do more than sell a room or destination, they inspire. If you're ready to share better stories and improve your marketing strategy, you're in the right place. Here's your host, Marketing expert, author, and travel blogger, Amy Dreheim. This is the How to Share podcast, episode 33. Today, we are looking back, way back, to what feels like many years ago, but is actually about nine months. We're looking back over the course of this podcast, which I started in April, and the podcast quickly became a reaction to what was going on in the travel space during the pandemic, during the Black Lives Matter movement. And I got to speak with industry experts and hoteliers who were reacting to the moment that we were in. It's been really interesting. And what I didn't realize was that when I started a podcast this year during the pandemic, that I would be creating a time capsule. So let's take a look back at the interviews from this past year And in about 20 minutes' time, we're going to get a really clear picture by hearing from all of our guests. Let's get started. The podcast series began with Ariella and Francis Karajian, who came on the show in April to talk about what they expect for the future of hospitality. Let's take a listen. March 12th, people were kind of worried. And then March 13th hit. And I just feel like our industry crumbled. It was, it it was honestly really sad and panic set in so quickly. I never, I remember getting on LinkedIn and I just started crying my eyes out. It was, I'd never seen something so depressing because especially on the boutique side of hospitality, we were growing massively. Mm -hmm. It was like nothing could stop us. And then this happened a lot of the owners look at their hotels, not just as a source of money, but really as a source of happiness to them, to their employees, and all of their guests. So when the crisis hit, you could really see boutique hotels shine. I'm hoping that we can get back to really doing what's important, and that is taking care of the guests. So if Francis and Ariella set the stage, I think my next guest, Amy Ogden, who joined me in May started helping us figure out how to move forward, how to communicate, how to continue sharing our stories, even in the midst of this crazy time. We're building the boat as we row. Uh, This is truly just something no one's ever encountered. So we don't know how to, we don't know how to navigate uncharted territories. You just need to take one step on one brick and trust that the next brick will be laid. PR has never been more important than it is today. People are listening. They want facts. They want details. The brands that go quiet right now are really missing out on an opportunity to connect and guide. So as everybody started building their own quarantine routines and their lockdown routines and things started to feel normal, things at that point began to actually open up again, or so we thought. So I spoke with Alyssa Ramos, who's the content creator behind My Life's a Travel Movie. 
Well, you've also been very busy during the pandemic. And so even though you are sheltering in place in Barcelona, I want to hear a little bit about quarantine and how you spent your time. I am a serial binge-working entrepreneur. So to be honest with you, whenever I'm not traveling, I will hole up in an apartment or a hotel and I will work 12 to 14 hours every day. This past two months has pretty much been like one of those times. I actually hired another staff writer. I'm training another virtual assistant. I launched my bikini line, finally, which I've been wanting to do for like three years. <laughs> and then I have my book. At the end of June, I had the chance to speak with Damon Lawrence, the founder of Homage Hospitality. Damon built the first hotel group dedicated to Black travelers. And at the time when he launched it in 2018 with the Moore Hotel in New Orleans, it felt like a radical idea. And two years later, in the midst of the pandemic and also the Black Lives Matter movement of 2020, it didn't feel so radical after all. In fact, it felt right, it felt timely, it felt needed. So let's listen to what Damon has to say. When you take care of the most marginalized, then you take care of everyone, right? Um, if you have shampoo that's, that's good for the, the kinkiest hair of hair, it's good for everybody's hair, right? Um, and so I think those are just the small nuanced ways that when you travel as a person of color, a black person specifically, you, you realize that these spaces were not intended with you in mind. I just hope, you know, no matter what Homage is able to do, that somewhere along the way, there's somebody coming up behind me that's gonna take the torch and do way more than I ever could. I don't wanna be the only one. I want there to be a number of hotels, a number of brands with people in leadership and ownership that look like myself. So next, at the end of June, I also had the chance to speak with Eve Dreer, who is a brand strategist who helped brands like Coors and Starwood Hotels navigate through the past economic recessions as the head of their communications. So Eve joined me, and for the first time, I felt like there was light at the end of the tunnel. Brands in particular survive crises. We are changed and we evolve, but we do survive. And how we act, how we think and how we act after and during a crisis is really important. And it does give us an opportunity to put ourselves out there in a way that people really remember travelers' psyches have changed. Mm. And that means that travel planning has changed dramatically. One thing, like I mentioned before, that people are going to think about is their own safety and their own health risk. In July, I had the chance to speak with Aditi Verma about revenue strategy for hotels and resorts. We provided a safe environment for people to enjoy. And I really feel the customers that came to us in these last three months will be our repeat customers for life. Don't slash your rates. You lose the value of the hotel. There's a price value proposition, right? Yeah. If I keep seeing a certain hotel at $49, I probably will never stay with them anyway. There's pent up demand right now. Everybody wants to travel. Slashing rates is the last thing that uh, we should do. You know what? Aditi's right. And I want to add to that. Instead of slashing rates, we should really think about 
adding value to hotel stays. In September, I had the chance to speak with Monica Lane, who is the owner of the Downtown Clifton Hotel in Tucson, Arizona. Monica shared her own experience navigating the pandemic as a hotel owner and creating a space that is known as Tucson's living room. Funny enough, um, I am, and I think you know this, um, I am a, a Black woman, or I'm half Black and half White, and I practiced law, too, for a, a long period of time. And I keep going back to some of those early cases. I think they're Commerce Clause cases. I don't know. I was a so-so law student. But so much of those were wrapped up around race, actually. And some of the earliest legal cracks, at least, in racism, segregation, Jim Crow laws, all that sort of stuff, were in the hospitality industry, were in the Supreme Court deciding that hotels had to be open to all, or buses had to be open to all, or buses that go across state lines, uh, trains, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. They have to serve all people. And hotels were in that group of businesses that were forced to be open. And I just, to a certain extent, I often think I wouldn't be where I am today if hotels weren't forced to actually be hospitable to everybody, regardless of race or religion or gender or orientation came later. But, you know, you get the point. And I feel like I owe a a real debt that I can pay back by operating my hotels in that way. The fundamental thing that you can give people is safety. You will not be judged. You are protected from judgment here. You are protected from harassment. You are protected from even discomfort, you know, unless you want me to make you uncomfortable. I'm pretty good at that too. Um, but, you know, we're, we're here to protect the space around you so you can do what you need to do. And I suppose that's not typically a mission of a hotel, but it's something that I personally bring to it. So at the end of September, I had the chance to speak with Joey Hamilton, who spoke about his personal experience and also his experience running DMOs here in Central Oregon. We need businesses, hotels to step up and continue this conversation. You see a lot of of brands I think on Blackout Tuesday, a lot of brands posted the black box, made a statement, and then it's back to business as usual. And whether that's not knowing what to do next or just kind of we think we did the right thing and now we're back to to what we're doing, you can't have this conversation enough. I think the more exposure you can bring to people in these communities that aren't so diverse, the more change you're going to see. I mean, just watching, I mean, if you look at watching an NFL game in 2017 where players were fined or were, you know, not allowed to kneel during the national anthem versus today where they're, you know, players have Breonna Taylor's name on their helmet, Black Lives Mm -hmm. Matter, it takes all of us, all of these things. I think the goal is to normalize it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, it's a difficult conversation only when you're having it for the first time. And the more times you can have these conversations, the more open people are going to be to engage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when real change happens. 
one of the things that's important to realize is that when we're talking about people of color, that we don't lump them into one giant group of underprivileged people. Yeah. There are people of color who do all kinds of things. There are people of color who are CEOs. There are people of color who are extremely rich. There are people of color who are conservative. There are people of color who are liberal in between. There are people of color who are in the LGBTQ plus community. It's not just like, like I'm going to say, like what a lot of the media portrays, you know, whether it's movies, magazines, what have you. So I think starting to have those conversations of, okay, within our targets, who are we talking to? Where, where are these messages going and are we just messaging to the same people over and over even if it's in the same salary range if you're looking at the same kind of household incomes how can you diversify that message and even just that switch will make a big difference you can't describe to somebody what it's like to be out of place just because of the color of your skin yeah. without anyone knowing anything else about you. Like for feeling like you are wrong just because you have, you're automatically wrong just because of the color of your skin. I cannot describe what that feels like to someone else who's never experienced it. And I've been in conversations with County commissioners here with business leaders that say, well, you know, why do I have to, why do I have to have the rainbow flag, you know, in front of my business or this or that? And it's like, cause you've never been punched in the face because of who you are. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a simple answer. Next on my show was Sagar Bakta, who got to tell me about OTAs and why we shouldn't just be running away from them and talking bad about them. Because as it turns out, OTAs might actually have some silver lining too. Let's listen. A lot of people in other agencies keep talking about yeah, OTAs. We don't need them, you know. Uh, these guys are, they spend so much money on marketing, right? And uh, it's a one, one-stop shop, right? You can't just Google San Diego hotels and then book your room, right? Even I do this. I go on Expedia hotels.com or booking.com and I search for okay San Diego hotels I get a whole laundry list of hotels with pictures with rates with location you know it's such more refined mm-hmm. and from there maybe what I'll do is okay let's say I find a hotel I really like and then I would then I would google them this is me right mm-hmm. I wouldn't probably book an Expedia but I'll google them because I get more information on our website on the official website mm-hmm. and that's where you need to grab them Right. This is where you come with either your specials, book direct with us, get 10% off, book with, direct with us, get two free drinks, or whatever it is, you know, into the, your offers to try to grab them and to book directly with you. When we run travel ads for our clients, everyone's fighting for the top position and you can pay your way through on Expedia too. Right. So what I do for my clients is we pay on Expedia travel ads. Yeah, you'll start getting more Expedia bookings also, which you have to pay commissions on. But right. you also start seeing an increase in direct traffic because of the billboard effect, right? They see you in Expedia, they Google you, now they come into your website and hopefully if your website is really good, you can convert those guests to book directly with you. 
So at the end of October, I kicked off my entrepreneurship series, which actually took me through year end. My first guest was Lindsay Page Stein, who is a travel publicist and also the founder of the Round Trip Collective. It's definitely a tough time for our industry. And what I say to my members is, because a lot of them are still in college, is that it shouldn't stop you from pursuing this path if that's truly what you are passionate about. Because in my eyes, now is the time for me to help them make their first step into it strategically with all the tools and the knowledge that they need to stand out to prepare for when the industry revives. In general, I'd say the industry is constantly evolving and over the past few months even, we've seen travel companies and publications opening their eyes to the fact that we need to be more inclusive and allow space for all voices. In November, I had a two-part episode with Bashar Wali, the visionary behind this assembly. People say we're in the service industry and I've often said, look, I go to my dentist to get my teeth cleaned. They're in the service industry. Where I get my car fixed, they're in the service industry. We do deliver a service in our industry, but service is what you deliver. Hospitality is how you make people feel. And it is heartbreaking how far away we've gotten from that as an industry because we've become about things and art and Instagrammable moments and local this and BS that. And we've lost sight of what matters most, which is we're in the feelings business. We are selling feelings. We are creating a memory for someone. We think things fulfill our soul and they in fact don't. If making money means crushing everyone along the way, I'm not interested in making money. So again, another buzzword that's sort of circulating now is the idea of conscious capitalism. I truly am taking that to heart and saying, how can we do work that allows everyone to thrive? How do I practice what I preach and really make it about people? And when we talk about people, again, often our industry thinks guests. Well, employees are people too. Vendors are people. The city official you're talking to is people. So you really have to take that that idea of being kind beyond the four walls of your hotel. Look, an average size hotel for us is, I don't know, 150 rooms, let's call it. There's usually 50 employees there total. If I took all my time, energy, and money that I was sprinkling in the ocean, as I suggested, and focused on those 50 people within my four walls and was truly, truly invested in their well-being, in their future, in their hopes and their aspirations, the chances of me creating more success because my efforts and money are concentrated are far greater. And if Amy, who works for me, who's trying to buy a house or trying to get her green card or trying to send her kid to college or trying to care for her elderly parents, if I can somehow help her accomplish any of these goals, again, whether it's financial, it's not always financial, obviously financial helps, but it's also education, learn a language, et cetera. She then automatically becomes a better part of the community in which my hotel is. And I, the hotel or, or the owner of that hotel enjoys the benefit of a community that's better, that's thriving because its members are thriving. The idea of cancel culture is so strong and here to stay. But people always think of that negatively. I say, well, forget cancel culture. Let's take 180 degree opposite. We're working on coining this term, by the way. I'm going to trademark it. We call it the give a shit ability. At the end of November, I got to interview another non-traditional hotelier, Jamila Ross, the co-owner of the Copper Door B&B in Overtown, Miami. It means so much to us, not only to continue this idea of Black entrepreneurship in Overtown, 
this project, and although it is a business, it means a lot more than just opening something or just, you know, trying to make a profit. This is true American dream, the idea of wishing for something and really acting on it and it providing to a bigger audience. And it just, it fills us. It really does. Wanting to cook and watching these shows that I had spoke about before, there was no one that ever looked like I had to go into every interview and I had to apply for every school knowing that I was going to stand out and I had to be true to what I was going to do because it wasn't going to be easy. I knew this. And to be a woman and then being Black on top of it, and it was still just like a very rare thing, especially in some of these higher-end restaurants. There was one time that I had applied somewhere And the chef gave me one look, I can tell, and it was just like, no, we're not hiring. Maybe the more exposure there is, the less there will be young women like me that didn't raise their hand to say something, or even though sometimes things made them feel uncomfortable, that they didn't shy away from how they feel, or to just change it, to say, you know, screw this job, screw this chef, and and to pursue their own and create spaces of inclusion for everyone, because they wouldn't want someone else to feel that way. I certainly don't want anyone else to feel some of the struggles that I have felt while coming up in my career path. So I do it for the greater good of just like our industry and of representation. And finally, in December, I got to interview Jessica Blotter, who finished off the entrepreneurship series with a serious talk about sustainability and hotels and what more we can be doing. Jessica is the founder of Kind Traveler, the first give and get booking platform. We're all going through this really unique experience and learning about our behaviors right now. And at the same time, we're also thinking about how to rebuild responsibly. So this is the chance the travel industry has. There were things in the industry that were flawed before and this pause has given us all a chance to look at how to rebuild responsibly. And that's really the conversation that's happening. So if we're going to rebuild responsibly, let's look at these other problems that need to be addressed so that we can ensure the protection and well-being of destinations into the future. It's been an incredible year for growth, and there's so much more to come. If you'd like the show notes from this episode, including links to all of my past guests' shows, go to howtosharepodcast.com slash 33. As always, keep sharing your stories. Thanks for listening to the How to Share podcast. If you loved this episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. How to share.